0: You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Good morning. My name is Dean. I'm the pastor at City Church. Thanks for joining us this morning. Also, hello to everybody watching online on Facebook Live or whatever way you're tuning in this morning, staying connected uh, to our church during this time. Uh, We're in a series called Clarity, uh, which is our our last week of the series where we're looking at exactly what is the mission of the church, like what's the point of all this, like why do we actually exist, and what is it that we're supposed to do? It seems like everyone has an opinion nowadays, especially on social media, of what the church should be doing. You hear things like, where's the church, when's the church going to talk about this, when's the church going to talk about that? And I think it's important that we realize that what's important, what matters is not what I think about the church or what you think about the church, but what God actually says about the purpose of the church. And it's my job to conform my thinking to what God says rather than to force my views into the scriptures. So before we jump into that, just to give some clarity about what the church is and why we're here, a very important thing, I want to welcome college students back in town. Uh, We're we're a multi-generational church that loves college students. When students are here, it makes our church better. Isn't that right, everybody? Aren't you glad they're starting to come back? It's just awesome. So at at 9 o'clock, we had like this entire front section up here, all these rows, filled with students. I'm like, wow, students at 9 o'clock. I mean, you know what they say, college students, if you come to church at 11, you love the church. If you come at 9, you love God. Uh, Just so you know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But uh, we're we're just thrilled you guys are back in town and starting to trickle back in. And it just matters a lot to our church family. Uh, We started this church uh, in 2007 at right around this time. Uh, with uh, primarily college students. That wasn't the plan, they just showed up first. And ever since then, as our church has grown different generations, different kinds of people, there's still always been a passion to reach students in this town. So we're glad you're here and hope you connect and can be a part of our church family. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into our series, our last week of it, called Clarity. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful uh, to be here together. Uh, We're thankful that you are rebuilding the local church in this community uh, after uh, so much time apart, and we just ask that uh, the rest of this year can be one that allows the church to flourish in letting the gospel be made known in our community and beyond. Uh, we pray for all of our churches in our community as we gather today that will be united in the truth. Uh, we ask to keep the enemy out of this place and out of our city. Lord, And we ask that we'll be bold, that we'll be loving, that we'll be compassionate, that we'll be convictional, uh, all because of what we believe to be true about you. We're thankful for students being back. We ask you to bless them as they return, professors, administration, coaches, everyone's a part of the Florida State TCC FAMU family family. Uh, that you bless all of them and allow those who are believers, to let their light shine for others. Be with me as I speak, in Jesus' name, amen. So what is the mission of the church? What actually makes us unique, not us as in city church, but the local church in general, established as congregations all around Tallahassee, all around Florida, the United States, and around the world? Well, what, well the mission of the church is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the actual clear mission of why God has established and is building his church. You might say, well, what's that? Well, it's a charge, a commission that Jesus gave uh, right before he went to heaven and when of the, the last scene in the book of Matthew, a version of it appears in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also in the book of Acts. And here's a G, it says that Jesus came near, Matthew 28, and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That quickly reminds us, I'm a simple guy, so simple terms. That means I'm not the authority, it means you're not the authority. Jesus has all authority. So when he speaks, we listen. When he tells us what the actual mission of the church is, it's not our job to go, oh yeah, well what about this? We go, okay, now how do I go full speed with what you want us to do and who you want us to be? He says, since I have authority, he says, listen up. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And he's like, and hey, don't worry. I know that's a lot. That might sound overwhelming. Remember, I'm with you always. Like, I've got you. I'm walking with you to the end of the age. So he said last week, or two weeks ago, that our, kind of our clarity of what we want the church to be, what we're about based on the scriptures, is the first thing we want folks to do is connect. Connect to Jesus and connect to the local church, and we want people to be equipped. We wanna connect and equip people. Connect people to Jesus, and we think that is also almost synonymous with connecting someone to a local church. Not that going to church makes you connected to Jesus, but being connected to Jesus means you're a part of a local church. The two go together and we want to equip you to live the Christian life. We want to equip you to live out the Great Commission, Uh, equip you to do what Jesus said here, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. What does it look like to let your light shine in Tallahassee and beyond? Like we as a church family want to help you become more like Christ, to grow in your knowledge of God and the hope is as your knowledge of God from the scriptures grows, then your affections for God and your affections for others will grow. Your love for God and your love for neighbor will increase because of what you're learning and being equipped to understand about the scriptures. So we connect people to Christ first and foremost. Let them know that he is the exact one he claimed to be, that he's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus didn't say he was one of a bunch of options. He doesn't say the way you get to heaven is by being sincere, or whatever path works for you, all religions are the same, you know, different roads, same destination. He said none of those things. He said, I'm the way. And why is he the way? Because he is the actual son of God. He's the Messiah. He lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And all of us who have actually sinned against God, that's what sin is. It's not a random mistake. It's not oops. It's not I'll try harder. We've actually sinned against God himself. And because of that, if God is holy, it means he must and will punish sin, but at the exact same time why God is holy, he is merciful and gracious and compassionate, and rather than us being punished as our sins deserve, Jesus was punished in our place. That's why we call it the gospel, because it's really good news. That Jesus died a death that I deserve, that I will never have to face because I have been forgiven of my sins because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he proved that he really wasn't joking or exaggerating when he said he was the only way by rising from the grave three days later. I'm not the smartest guy in the room by any amount, but I'm gonna go with the guy who was dead and came back to life three days later every single time. That's my secret to life. Go with the guy who was dead and came back three days later. Like, that's my secret strategy. Like, that's who you go with every single time. So we want to connect people and we want to equip people, help them grow in their faith, build them up so they can be sent out to wherever it is that God has you living on mission for him. Before he actually went to heaven, here's what Jesus said. Truly I tell you. A little before that, actually. I, I, I skipped ahead, sorry. John 14. I'm a little excited this morning because I'm talking about the Great Commission. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me So all Christians will also do the works that I do. Sounds interesting. And then he goes even a step further, and it's kind of a "What you talking about, Jesus?" kind of thing. It just sounds really strange. And if Jesus wasn't the one who said it, it would almost sound blasphemous. And he will do even greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Did Jesus just tell us that we're going to do greater works than he did? Like seriously? Like I'm, I'm like afraid to say that out loud. Like, did I really just read, is that a typo? Did Did I just read that? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're gonna go accomplish incredible things and fulfill all of our ambitions and dreams? Well, I hope you do, but that's not what he's talking about here. Does it mean you're gonna have more power than Jesus had? No, that's not what he's talking about here. It's that the works that he is going to allow us to do to carry out the Great Commission are gonna be even greater works than have ever been experienced before, including what Jesus says was, His works here on earth. And we're not talking about the cross and the resurrection, but his life and his ministry. Listen to this from Don Carson, uh, who I think is one of the best New Testament scholars in the world. Talking about this verse, commenting on it, he said, they are privileged to participate in the effects of Jesus' completed work. Until he returned to his Father and bestowed the Holy Spirit, everything Jesus did of of, of necessity was still incomplete. By contrast, The works of the disciples participate in the new situation that exists once Jesus' work is complete. Their works are greater in that they are privileged to take place after the moment of fulfillment. Some of you are like, what in the world did you just read? Here's what he's saying. We now as Christians get to live in the reality of everything Jesus accomplished. Like it wasn't actually accomplished yet because he was still on earth, he still hadn't died, he still hadn't rose from the grave, he still hadn't ascended into heaven, Uh, the Holy Spirit had not come down yet, and he's saying now we as believers, the greater things we get to do, is because we actually get to live out everything Jesus said and promised. He's going to build his church, we're the recipients of that. Carson says that his departure, Jesus' departure through death and resurrection to exaltation is the precondition of his disciples' mission. There were things that had to happen before it was time for us to go, as in go on mission. Because he goes to the Father, the church embarks on her mission. Moreover, still Carson here, Jesus' exaltation is precondition of the descent of the promised Holy Spirit, who will work with the disciples in their witness. For these reasons, the followers of Jesus will perform greater works. How incredible is that? we now get to live out what Jesus accomplished. We get to live in the reality that Jesus right now is in heaven preparing a place for us. He is alive today and the Holy Spirit indwells us and fills us to carry out the task to the ends of the earth that Jesus called us to. Right before he went to heaven he said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth." There's a lot of confusion about what the Holy Spirit actually does, what's the point? Primarily, the Holy Spirit, one, testifies to Christ, regenerates us as believers, allows us to believe the good news of the gospel, opens our eyes to faith, and then the Holy Spirit, it's not weird, it's not crazy, the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to carry out the Christian task. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer, fills us, the scriptures say, to live out and carry out the task that God has called us to. So we wanna see you connect to Jesus and connect to the church. A lot of you already have done that. We wanna see you be equipped. We wanna see a lot more people take advantage of that. We're gonna have equipped classes starting back up again in September where we're helping people. They're evening classes. Where we're helping people become disciples. We're gonna have city groups available. For folks can be in a group setting and study the Bible together, talk through devotions and scriptures together. Like, let's grow together. We think this is part of equipping on Sunday morning, going through the scriptures, like prioritizing that in your life, that we're gonna be a part of our local church regularly. We're gonna make it matter. All of those things. And then after that, or I should say as that continues, connect, equip, and then we want you to be sent. We want to send you as a church every single day. Connect, equip and send, this is the point of clarity about who we are as a church. These are the three things we wanna see happen in your life. Connect to Jesus, connect to the church, be equipped to live out the mission that you're being sent into every single day. We wanna see, all of us, myself included, to see ourselves as sent people. For some of us, that's when we go to work every day. For some of you, it's your own household and parenting. That's where it begins, I believe, for families. For others, it's your neighbor. For some, there's an opportunity because of the margin in your life to maybe give your life for several years or for a decade, whatever it might be, to go overseas full time. To take the gospel where it's never been heard before and we can help you do that. We can help you connect. We partner with organizations that we give lots of money to because we believe the gospel has to go out. Has to go out. We're talking we give $300,000 a year as you, we as in we, for the gospel to go to where it's never been heard. I, I want to get to half a million because we've got to get the gospel out. And how does that happen? All of us being generous, sacrificial, giving proportionally, giving regularly because we believe it's unacceptable for people to have not had the opportunity to hear the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. We are sent people every single day. Don McGavern, one of the early kind of missiologist, as it's called, which is a study of missions, uh, he wrote a letter, and in this letter, this was back in the 80s, and he said this, I think, that he goes, what is needed in North America, and indeed around the world, is a society of missiology that says, quite frankly, that the purpose of missiology is to carry out the Great Commission. Anything other than that may be a good thing to do, but it is not missiology. He continues and tells the story of a village in a remote area, closed off to the gospel, engaged in the worship of idols, and here's how he tells the story of visiting them. Says McGavern, this isn't a publication, a periodical about missions. So McGavern described a remote village with sickness, poverty, inequalities, and antiquated agricultural methods. After affirming that Christians should work to alleviate these problems, Jesus said, teach them to command everything I've obeyed, or or to obey everything I've commanded them. What did Jesus command us to do? Love our neighbor? Right, that we should work to alleviate these problems. McGavern noted that one problem was more critical than the others. He said, however, the village's crucial need is none of these. Its crucial need is to cease worshiping the stone idols, to cease believing that sickness is caused by the acts of these little gods they built for themselves. The crucial need is to believe on God the Father Almighty who has made known to us in Jesus Christ his son. The great need is to move off the animal and human platform of their idols and move the platform of divine life. Then and only then will these other advances be made quickly and more permanently. Do you believe the greatest problem we have in our world today is a spiritual problem? He said that does not mean we ignore other things. Please do not hear me say that. The greatest need we have in our city, on our campuses, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and around the world is a spiritual problem. People say, God, no thank you, I don't wanna worship you, I wanna worship your stuff instead, idolatry. We think that idolatry might be reserved for those who actually go in a remote village and really build statues for themselves, but how many of us have things that we put in place of God every single day? Monuments that we build figuratively in our lives. If the book of Ephesians isn't joking when it tells us that we are dead in our sins, but we can be made alive in Christ, that lets me know the greatest problem that exists today is a need for Jesus is a need to be reconciled to God. So do we do humanitarian projects? Sure, I hope you do. Do we care about justice issues? Absolutely, the Bible's full of caring about justice issues. To ignore justice issues, might as well like, just omit sections and sections and sections of the Bible. God deeply cares about these matters, but what is the primary mission of the church? It is to bring with good news the answer we have for the greatest spiritual need that exists in all of the world. And that is people's need to be reconciled to God and have their sins forgiven. And we're the ones who have the answers for how that happens. In the meantime, people are believing all these lies that they gotta go around God to find the things they're looking for in their life. Rather than write to God, they're believing the lies and buying the hype that there's more to be gained by disobeying God than there is to be gained by obeying him. And we must answer that and have an answer ready for that, and that is his name is Jesus that He's the way, the truth, the life, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Here's what Paul wrote to the Romans. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. Clarity. Here's the message. Like I'm gonna give it to you, he says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart like it's a legitimate belief that changes something, that God raised Him from the dead, You'll be saved, saved from sin, saved from God's punishment of sin, saved from yourself, saved from darkness, saved from idolatry. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. That's how you stand before God. Without being punished for your sin, you must stand before God perfectly righteous. Well, who in here has been perfectly righteous? If you say you, you just lied, so you're not perfectly righteous. Jesus was perfectly righteous. So we stand before him as Christians, we're in Christ, we're covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. It's to be proclaimed, it's to be said out loud. There's a conversion element to becoming a Christian. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Why, you might be put to shame on this earth, but ultimately Jesus has risen from the grave, he will come again and we will not be mocked. God has the final word and the final victory. The world thinks we're foolish, one day they will know. And then he says, this, since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, God doesn't have the same categories that we have. That in Christ he has made a people called the church. There's, there's no distinction, are they from every tongue, tribe and nation, yes and amen, but God sees us as one people, as one family. Why, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. The same spiritual blessings the people who don't even have electricity and live in a place we can barely even access are the same exact spiritual blessings that anyone else in the world has. All of us together are richly blessed in Christ with spiritual blessings. In this awesome verse in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What an announcement. What a declaration, what what words of hope. That God has an answer for this, that God is working. And then Paul shifts gears a little bit, because they're saying amen, that's right, we call on Jesus, we're saved, what great news, awesome. Then he asks them some questions to get them thinking. And a kind of thought process that he wants them to have lead them to action. He says, so, since all that's true, How then can they call on him they've not believed in? They're probably like, okay, I guess you can't do that. That makes makes sense. And how can they believe without hearing about him? You can probably see their minds turning, going, oh, yeah, that's kind of a problem, isn't it? And how can they hear without a preacher? Paul, that's your job, you're the preacher. So no, no, no. This is not preacher as an ordained minister. This is preacher as an heralder of the good news, proclaimer of the truth, which is should be every Christian. And how can they preach, connect, equip, send? How can they preach unless they're sent? He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Who has beautiful feet? I actually have the cleanest feet in Tallahassee because I don't wear flip-flops. So they're pretty flawless, actually, and and no one's ever actually seen them before. It's actually a true story. Uh, So I just want you all to know that, just a little free information there. But most people are pretty grossed out by feet, right? Corns, calluses, bunions, They're, they're not the most attractive thing in the world. You put your hands on the table in a conversation, no one even notices. Put your bare foot up on the table during a conversation, It gets weird really quick. That's how I do it down in Stop Choppy. I know, right, okay. It gets weird real quick. God says there is an actual kind of beautiful feet. They don't take getting rid of corns, calluses, and bunions. They don't take getting a pedicure. It's those who bring good news, who carry and take the gospel to those who need to hear it. So what does that look like for us? Every single day, a few things. One, we must have clarity regarding the message. We are bringing news to people, not advice, not condemnation, not shame, we're bringing news. News. Do we want people to feel guilt over their sin? Yes, because they are guilty, (laughs) like yes. We want them to know there's an answer for it. That God's not done with them. That God's provided a way for that to be removed. That they will be held accountable for their sin. That God does judge sin, he does punish sin, and we must be clear on that. We must be clear about the remedy, the answer, the mediator, the one who is Jesus Christ. We have to be clear on the message. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't confuse the message. It's easy to think that we want someone to just shape up or just get it together or be more religious or be more spiritual. No, we want people to know, believe, and understand who Jesus is and give their life to him. To turn from this world, to turn to Christ. Second, we must have clarity regarding the need. Clarity regarding need. There's a massive need out there. A need for people to be saved. Young, Kevin DeYoung wrote this, the primary task of the church is to minister the word and nothing should supplant or turn us from this essential and indispensable mission. That there's a need and we are the people who can bring the news that can meet that need. Gotta be clear on it. And part of that is we gotta actually believe our own theology. There's no exception clauses for people because they're nice or because they know you or because they're in your family. It's like everybody needs Jesus except for my uncle who's not saved. He, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's a great guy. Or I, I really think he's a Christian. It's like, come on. That, that is just an American understanding of this sort of, maybe he's moral, maybe he's not. That's not what we're talking about. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. There's a need out there. Third, we must have clarity regarding my responsibility. And my as in mine, my as in yours, you, me, like our responsibility to be people who bring good news, who have beautiful feet, who get that spiritual pedicure by being people who go and bring good news. What does that look like for us? Well as a church it means we're gonna keep sending. We have three families right now who are full time in different continents living from our church who were sent. They connected, they were equipped, and they were sent. Fully funded, so they don't have to worry about raising money half the year, begging people for money, writing support letters. They get to go and know their church is behind them and praying for them and with them. We have a family, the Nelsons, who are in Africa, on the coast there, largely Muslim area, desperate need of the gospel. We have the Stewart family, they're in Berlin, Germany, A global city, which has become extremely secular. Extremely secular. A land that one time was the birth of so much good for the church through the Reformation. Now is a place that's spiritually dry, that worships the world, that's secularized. They have moved there, they're learning the language right now full time so they can go and reach people who have not had access to the good news. Our church family, our church members, with the the Truex family, Cam and Sophie. They're in Asia right now, full-time. Started as college students here. We're in our City Church U ministry. They were student leaders here. And now they're full-time living across the world. Because why? The gospel's only good news if it gets there on time. It's only good news if it gets there on time. My friend David Platt likes to say that every Christian this side of heaven must give the gospel to every person this side of hell. We must, must have an urgency, but what about us who are here? Are we exempt from that, that we're not the ones that are in Germany, or in Africa, or in Asia? Like, like what about us? What does it look like for us right now? And I have got a few steps. This is old school city church. We still believe this, and I'm bringing it back to remind us. The first thing here is that we must be provoked, not offended in our community. Provoked, not offended when it comes to sinners. So often we move away from the world because we're offended by the world. Why should somebody who's not a Christian act like they are? I'm a Christian, and I'm not great at acting like I am all the time. And I have the Holy Spirit in my life. I've been told I'm gonna do greater works in John 14, and I still don't have it all figured out. I still choose this world. I still choose myself. I still choose those lies like I go around God. And I'm a believer. I believe this stuff with all my heart. Why should somebody who's not a Christian act like they are? We're not offended by it, we're provoked to engage, to be in their life, to build a relationship. Holiness is not separation from sin. I said that wrong, that's a big deal. Please be separated from sin, sorry. Holiness is not separation from sinners, it's separation from sin. There's a really big difference. Well what's the line there, that's the line. Holiness is not separation from sinners. It's separation from sin. It's not our job to condemn someone. The scriptures say they're condemned already, so Jesus came to rescue them. It's not our job to add layers to the condemnation. It's our job to be provoked into being in people's lives. The second one is to see yourself as being called, not employed, when it comes to your career. That's anything from a nurse on a hospital floor to a CPA to a stay-at-home mom to a football coach to everywhere in between. That does not mean that you always think your job is ideal and that you're passionate about it. That's not what I'm talking about. You see yourself first and foremost as called by God to be a light and to be a missionary where you work. Why I say called, not employed, is you're not just working a job to provide for your family. You know that definitely matters, and we have a responsibility to do that. Before anything else, we see ourselves as called by God to let our light shine before others, to be people with beautiful feet, to bring the good news I'm convinced the way a city turns upside down for Christ is Christians rethinking how they engage their work environment. And it's easier for me to say I work at a church, hopefully everybody here is a Christian that works here during the day, that'd be a problem. So I have to work hard to get out, and I see called and unemployed for me has a different feel in Tallahassee than maybe some of you, but I work hard to live that out. Uh, for students who are here, you think you're just here to get a degree? That's the only reason you're in Tallahassee is to get a degree? No, God sent you to be part of a mission. The cool thing is you get a degree with it. How great is that? To engage the most probably lost area of our entire community, the college campus. We don't gotta go find people. They've all come to us from around the state, around the country, and around the world. High school, middle school, elementary school students, you're not exempt from this either. I hope the people that you go to school with who are in your class at school, they know that you love Jesus if you're younger in this room because of how you love them and treat them and find little ways to have conversations with people about it. Called not employed. Our college pastor, Hunter, sometimes calls it for students called not enrolled. I and mean, we're not just taking classes, we're not just getting a degree, we're not just checking off boxes so our advisor says we're good at grad check. It's bigger than that. And third, everything for me is on the table as a Christian. God, there's no conditions. David Platt calls it a blank check, as in you lay figuratively a blank check on the table and say, God, you cash it as you want. Like, you cash it as you want, like I'm yours. Whatever you have for me, I'm in. It might not make sense, might not have all the boxes checked, the I's dotted, the T's crossed, but here's a blank check on the table. You do with me what you have. I guarantee there's people in this room right now that have margin in their life to move overseas full time. Guarantee. What would that blank check look like? You can be a nurse anywhere. You can teach anywhere. You can be IT anywhere. You can be an occupational therapist anywhere. What would it look like for you to go be a part of one of our church plants in another city in the United States? To go help them bring the gospel forward? What would it look like for you to say, you know, we're gonna it's gonna be a little while, i got to get a lot in order before I even think about that. But I want to start a process of having a conversation, at least praying about what it would look like to leverage my life and God say, here's a blank check to make sure that every person has an opportunity to hear the gospel one day. Because for us, it should be unacceptable. There's people in this world that don't know Christ and will die and have their sins condemned and paid for because they have never been forgiven. They've never been forgiven. We just can't go about church as usual. So much indifference in our community, and that has to change. Financially, it matters. We must continue to give so we can go. It's mission ammunition, our resources. Prayers matter. Please pray for those missionaries I mentioned. But there are more out there that call this church their home that I believe need to put a blank check on the table and say, God, you cash it any way you want with my life our friends at Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham area, have started a, a program called Go Two, and the two is like a playoff word, it's two like go to somewhere, but also the, the number two, Go To, and they're asking for students to consider when they graduate, giving two years of their life to solely making their decision of what's gonna be next based on the Great Commission, which might mean I need to get my master's in social work so I know that City Church has church plants in New Orleans. And I know we partner with the North American Mission Board that has strategic send cities like San Francisco and L.A. and St. Louis and New York and Philadelphia and Miami and, and all these places where there's not a lot of gospel preaching churches. So I thought I was just going go to go do my master's at UF or USF or some, and, and, or do it online. And I, I'm going to go move to where one of these places are for two years and be a great church member. I'm going to go study abroad and take it for two years. I'm 22 years old when I graduate. So by the time I'm 25, I'll figure out the next steps. But in the meantime, I'm going to go somewhere. or I don't have grad school plans. I haven't landed a job yet. I don't even know what I'm going to do. So what I'll do instead, I'll just go work a basic regular job so I can pay my rent in one of these places and be the best church member they have. Give two years to your life for that. What would that look like? for a college student to start thinking about that now, and we're so connected to that, that's why we, we believe in denominational work, because you can do so much more together than you can apart. We can hook you up, get you on that path in two seconds for your future, because we connect and we equip and we send. That's the mission of the church. You know what they'll tell you at Summit Church is the biggest hindrance to the go-to program? Parents. Parents who don't think it's a good idea because in their mind, their son or daughter needs to start their career, go to grad school, whatever it might be. And, and if, if you're a parent of a college student and you're watching online right now, because you're trying to check out, if you're, make sure your kid's not going to some crazy church. we are, a little bit, just so you know. Because we actually believe this stuff. Here's my question for you. What would it look like? I'm looking right in that camera. What would it look like for the Great Commission to be your ambition for your children? What if that was the most important thing? What if the Great Commission was your ambition for your son or daughter? yeah, it's a little scary, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but for two years of their life they could go, I'm making this choice not based on what sets me up best later, but what allows me to participate in greater works where the gospel has never gone before. There are two billion people and over 6,500 people groups who do not have access to the gospel. Access. I don't mean cultural Christians who drive by 45 churches every day and they think they know Jesus, but they don't. They at least have access to it. They're just lost. Though people who've never heard before. And here's my question for myself again. Hopefully, if you've been coming here long enough, you know that I don't think I'm spiritually above anybody, or they have all this figured out, or. That I'm more spiritual? I I really don't, I'm I'm just like a hometown pastor that's trying to stumble along the way to follow Jesus and make him known. So I talk to myself as I talk to you and I say this. I just gotta ask this question, as honest as can be. Do we care? I mean, do we care? And I want our church to be able to answer the question, yes, we care. We're putting our money literally where our mouth is by f- giving and giving and giving so the gospel can go out, to trusted organizations we partner with to fully fund missionaries. And we also realize that again, it's not for everyone to move to New Orleans and to move overseas, but it is for everyone to go on a mission trip every single day when they get in their car and go reverse out of their driveway. Now you truck drivers, you drive forward because you always back in, no offense. But a- every time, every morning, wherever I go, The greatest submission field in the world, your own household. God doesn't have grandchildren. Just because your parents are Christians doesn't mean the kids are. They need to believe for themselves. To believe the gospel, make sure we're sharing these things, we're vocal about it. Christianity is not a private to myself faith, it is something to be declared to the ends of the earth that Jesus Christ is the exact one he claimed to be. So as school's getting ready to start in Tallahassee for public school and all those kind of things, as college is getting back in gear, let's be clear on what our mission is, and our mission is the gospel of Jesus Christ going to our community and to the ends of the earth. Are you with me? Like, are you in for that? Like, are you in for that? And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we don't care about other stuff. You're gonna hear us talk a ton about race. You're gonna hear us a ton of talk about life. You're gonna hear us talk a ton about marriage. You're gonna hear us partner with God Be High School. All the things we care about deeply out of love for our neighbor. But we believe the greatest need that every single person has in this community is a spiritual need. And guess who has the answer for that? The local church. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. Lord, help us to care. I'm thankful someone cared enough about me to share the good news with me. I know they cared about me because they care about you and believe in what you say. Lord, please allow church in this city to not be just church as usual. Forgive us when our churches look more like country clubs and they do like great commission centers. Lord, I ask that we will, maybe somebody right now needs to have a conversation today with someone that they know is lost. Lord, compel us, give us the courage to do that. It might be someone room needs to drive home after church, like out of town and go talk to their parents about the good news because their parents are lost. Or a brother or a sister, maybe a college student needs to call their mom and dad today and say, I gotta let you know that I'm not going here anymore, I'm going there instead. For whatever it takes, a blank check. Please open our eyes to see the need. Please give us conviction enough to not budge on the message of who you are and what you've done. Lord, I ask that we will see our church be a church that connects people to Jesus and the church, that takes discipleship and growth and depth seriously as we grow. We'll be sent out all across the world. I pray for the stewards. I pray for the Nelsons, for the Truexes, for our church plant in London. Lord, allow the gospel to go out. I pray for our work in Tallahassee. I pray for our students who are here pray for professors, administration. I pray for coaches. What amazing mission opportunities they have. Lord, use them for your glory. Use them for your message. Use them for your name. We know that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Let us be bold and compassionate and making that known together. That is the church that you have built. Let us be that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and sing some good news.